Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hi, listeners. Today, we'll be talking about events and how the event management industry has changed over 2020. Since COVID, we all know events have moved to a virtual format, and I was very skeptical of this at first because I had big time Zoom fatigue, but the world disagrees. Zoom itself recently launched an online platform to compete with other online ticketing platforms such as Eventbrite, but it has yet to develop its own virtual event management system as Eventbrite has. Meanwhile, the most popular event platform at the moment seems to be Hopin. Several startup events in the region this year have been happening on Hopin, such as the Step Conference and more recently the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. By the way, Hopin was recently valued at $2 billion. Last week, the DIFC Fintech Hive hosted its annual Investor Day virtually, in fact, on Hopin. This event usually includes startup pitches and speeches from industry experts on a stage format, followed by networking at booths and over lunch. This year, we operated this fully virtually. The speeches were on a virtual stage and the startups manned their virtual booths for networking. And interestingly enough, the average time spent on the platform by attendees was equal to the duration of the pitches. I believe the reason they stayed is because they were engaged, and what I believe drove the engagement was the post-production value that we added to the overall pitch sessions. This allowed us to show our audience something other than what they've typically been used to during lockdown, which is more often a screen share in the typical manner with a poorly positioned webcam stream in the bottom right corner of their screen. This week, I attended the annual Jitex event in Dubai, which is by far the region's largest and leading tech event. The event organizers marketed the event as the only in-person event to be held for the rest of 2020. And there was no virtual streaming whatsoever to keep them true to their word. And to keep everyone physically in, I was pretty impressed. The event was really well attended. There was social distancing. The booths were pretty spaced out. And the companies very clearly spent a lot of money on their booths. There were some pretty impressive booths there. And with all this talk on virtual events, here on the show with me today to reflect on various aspects of events is Ali Rafai. Ali works for one of the largest event management companies in the region and has spent over 10 years organizing events of all scales. Together, we discuss how the music and sports industries have been adapting to virtual experiences and the key takeaways that others can learn from this. But before we get on to today's episode, I'd like to cover what else is happening in tech. I'm sure your Instagram feeds have been populated with all things Spotify 2020 rap. For those who are unaware, Spotify every year shows you what you've been listening to most throughout the year. Now, this ranges from the most listened to artists, to songs, to albums, to playlists, and even podcasts, and gives you shareable imagery depicting this data, which you can share directly onto your Instagram through the Spotify app itself. And the result has been that millions have been sharing their 2020 rap. Now, other than the social media feature, this also drives attention to the Spotify platform. And through this effort, the company's stock has actually reached an all-time high. And by the way, according to them, the most listened to podcast of the year was the Joe Rogan experience. And in other podcast specific news, word on the street is that Amazon is getting FOMO on Spotify's recent acquisitions in the podcast space. In fact, rumor has it it's looking to buy Wondery, which is a podcast production company for a whopping $300 million, which is fantastic news for the podcast industry. Now, without further delay, let's jump straight to today's episode. Hello. How's it going? How are you? How do you feel about virtual events? 
You're asking somebody whose literally life for the past 10 years is all about <laughs> attending like live concerts, live events. And that's exactly why I want to know what you think. Look, so I say it from the beginning of the whole, you know, the whole discussion. Uh, and everybody knows this. And let's just put it out there. Of course, nothing will replace live ever. And I think that given your question, what do I think about virtual events? I think it's still a way to keep yourself relevant. Ali, what, what industries have you been working with over the last month? Okay, I, I work with Flash Entertainment and uh, they are um, the leading regional uh, events management industry in, in the region. And I'm a projects associate. So we're the people that work you know, on the ground, executing projects, planning and executing them, coordinating with other departments. So the music industry has been heavily hit by COVID. Have you not worked on any concerts in the last few months or have you, but in a different format? For me personally, uh, I mean, I haven't. We, and, uh, we've not, I mean, I've not worked on a music event per se. There was an event that was done, which was music, but it was kind of like, you know, like live slash recorded and then it was streamed and stuff like that. But again, that requires like a lot of restrictions. So whoever is, is recording or uh, streaming it live and whoever's performing, everybody gets tested. Everyone does all their, you know, different requirements. Uh, everything gets, everybody gets like um, checked beforehand. Where was it streamed? Uh, on YouTube. It was streamed on YouTube. Interesting that it wasn't streamed on a local platform. So I've actually heard that Epic Games has built a soundstage for concerts to be produced that they then stream on Fortnite. That's amazing, by the way. I think this is, this is just shows you again. So is that the idea behind what you've been doing um, or rather within the industry regionally is that there are these studios that are being prepared for musicians to come record and then the production studio will push it onto streaming platforms? Somehow, actually, when you know this thing that Epic Games are doing, actually, that's something that I had never seen before. I had never seen, you know, a company dedicate a um, you know a stage specifically for music given the success they had with marshmallow dj marshmallow and uh, travis scott you know so for them to do that sh just shows you that they're already ahead of the game they're like you know what we're gonna we're gonna bring these artists in they're probably doing all the, the, the necessary procedures we're gonna bring these artists in we're gonna give them not concert quality which again live is great but we're gonna give them studio quality sound but, you know, we're still giving the artist and the gamers don't care, right? They're just, you know, just log in and they'll sit. Because just hanging out online. Just hanging out. So it doesn't really matter to them. But subconsciously, okay, when you're at a Travis Scott virtual concert, that's the brand. It's no longer just Travis Scott, right? It's, a, it's the shoes that he's wearing. It's the jewelry he's wearing. It's the music that he's singing. It's the references he's making. I mean, subliminally, there's so many things that are happening and uh, Epic Games, they understand that power because they can do after that, they go like, oh, here's a Travis Scott skin for free after you attend the concert. So all the characters are in Travis Scott skins. And it's like, it just adds more layers to the experience and, and with, uh, it's effortless. Why would someone bother watching a pre-recorded 
studio produced concert as opposed to a music video? No one would. It's a hard sell. So then why are people investing in trying to produce and pre-record content in this way just to entertain? It's two things. It goes back to the industry itself, that it's struggling. And at the same time, it goes, it goes back to each and every, per, uh, every artist and their relevance. I think if you're an artist, and I'm not talking about like Lady Gaga, and I'm talking about um, uh, like the, the really, really established, you know, Pink and Sting and all these very high level artists like Stevie Wonder and all those. I'm talking about people who are just starting out and COVID's hit the world, right? And, and they're like, what am I going to do? How am I going to progress? To invest in creating pre-recorded content, if anything, is the least that you can do because you need to stay relevant. So that's my second point. So I, I want to talk about Spotify and put a, put like a little spotlight on them. Now, they are their mission is to connect people to audio, kinds of audio. They began as music streaming and, of course, expanded into podcasts. Now... Outside of the UAE, they are able to connect listeners to concerts nearby, and they often recommend concerts based on your location and the type of music you listen to. Now, I've heard, and I haven't tried this personally, that they are now streaming or are soon planning to stream virtual concerts on Spotify. Can you maybe speculate people's responses to it? See, the thing with also like a, a, a music concert uh, it's it's bad as it is that it's virtual, right? But imagine you're watching it and your internet is bad. Spotify can't control that, right? So they can't they can't control that. But let's look at it another way. You might have that amazing party friend, you know, gets all the the food, the drinks, the you know the the party atmosphere, gets everything set up at home, and just asks you to come over and say, oh, we're gonna watch Bon Jovi on on Spotify. It it'll be a thing. And, and you'll just watch the concert from your home. You'll be safe. You're with your the people that you arguably only want to be with because kind of the downsides of being in a concert, well, upsides for some, but they go like, oh my God, so all these people, I can't get, I can't, you know, be at the front front of, with the artist. Spotify can do that. They can give you the golden circle access and you'll in the comfort of your own home, I believe what they're going to do with these virtual concerts is help it be a way for artists to monetize their music on Spotify. Now, they already work with uh, various ticketing companies. And I believe that if you want to you know, stream live one of the concerts, you would need to pay to be able to do that. And if anything, I think it could be a good way to provide income to musicians for whom apparently about 75% of their income is dependent on live gigs. Look at it from the record label standpoint. They'll go like, okay, nobody's buying the records anymore. They're just buying that single song and most of the money is going to the artist, which then left, left it open for concerts and live gigs to be the moneymaker. I'd love to talk about sports next. Ali, how have you been helping sports go virtual? We have been helping them actually, not virtually, actually trying to make them happen in a safer environment. Um, I've been person like I've been involved in, uh, in projects that actually get people to to work on the event, uh, obviously with no spectators, but actually get people to come in and actually practice their sports physically. So a competition, a match, let's say. Yeah, like UFC. You will watch it virtually, yes. 
but there's no way you can fight virtually, right? I mean, I've actually seen pictures of the NBA, you know, being played in person. But what they've done is they've actually live streamed pictures of audience members who are dialing in and put them across the tables, sorry, across the chairs in the audience to make it look like there's a fan base. Have you tried to replicate anything like that out out here in the Middle East? I've seen it in the Premier League, or I don't know if it's actually a live stream, but they've they've put like faces of people, not live streams. They put faces of people. And I've seen it even in um, the IPL that's being played in the UAE. It's keeping your brand relevant. Imagine if the NBA was closed for two years, two years, let's mm. say two years, right? Which is very short time. And we're talking about the NBA. It's going to hurt their brand immensely. But I think that it's a great idea. It's a great way to keep people involved. It's a great way to always keep, you know, your fans important. It's so, my God, it's so important that your fans are the center of the experience. So at the UFC boxing ring, do you think that the performance of the athletes is not what it could be if they had fans physically there cheering? Interesting question. I like that question. I think you could, you could answer it both ways. You could say that with the fans, it makes things more tense. You know, people are watching you and people might cheer and boo and you might, you might feel that pressure, that tension, or, you know, you might do something and then the crowd might boo. And, but I would like to argue that even with no fans there, it gives you another interesting experience because see the same thing with music and music artists, fighters, men in the zone. They have to be in the zone. And when there's no distractions around you, when we talk about like, cause don't forget they have their corner. Their corner is like three or four or five guys that are always shouting at them. Fighters in the end of the day, when they're behind closed doors and they're sparring and they're training, they, there's nobody like there's okay. Their team is watching them, but nobody knew is watching them. Nobody saw that amazing, amazing grapple that they did, that amazing punch that they did, the way their body moves and the way they, they did that nice block or that move, right? So even with no nobody, at the end of the day, they know this is being taped. It's being recorded. Somebody's going to watch it. You know, people are watching pay-per-view, whatever. People are watching them. People are going to talk about it after. So I'm sure these fighters go in and they're like, you know what? I'm here to put the best performance that I can, protect myself, make sure that I can... I can take down my opponent and come out of this safely and, and win. And I think every fighter goes in with this mentality. Ali, I'm mindful of time. I would say thank you so much for chatting to me about your experiences, making events happen virtually in order to keep us entertained. And it was lovely to have you. Pleasure was all mine. I, I am very happy to be on, on the show with you. Absolute pleasure to be with you on the show. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshereen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshereen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners.
If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.